Greetings. This week on Speculative Tolkienism, we make heroic attempts to at last put the rings of power behind us and move on to our original objective, i.e. to do an extended deep dive on Tolkien's original texts. We tried to do this, but alas, the discussion of the rings of power still kept creeping into the conversation, for the more we read of Tolkien's original texts, the more the rings of power seemed to be wanting, lacking, or just plain lame. This week, we begin with the Lord of the Rings prologue, in which we find that the Harfoots were not nomadic at all, and that the big book they carried would have been anachronistic because the early tribes of hobbits almost certainly passed their lore down via an oral tradition. In this episode, we explore the consequences of this tradition and the consequences of the Rings of Power ignoring that tradition. We also look into a question of the revised Hobbit, in which Tolkien made Gollum more subjugated by the Rings' power, which was clearly necessitated by the writing of the Lord of the Rings. The prologue answers many of these questions that we asked ourselves in Speculative Tolkienism Episode 1. We are happy to set the record straight today. So let's light the goblin barkers. I, I would like to talk about Concerning Hobbits. How about that? Okay. Yeah. So we reread Concerning Hobbits. For me, it's been 15 years or so since I read years. Since I read Lord of the Rings. Oh, it's, I, I, I thought it was Concerning Hobbits. It's really prologue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one thing that I noticed... <laughs> <laughs> Not to talk about Rings of Power again, okay, but let, let, let's no, just, just let's, okay, let's dive real in. quick. Let's dive in. Here it is in uh, Concerning Hobbits, and it says right in that middle paragraph that starts, the Harfoots had much to do with dwarves in ancient times, so this is about Harfoots. Mm -hmm. And then uh, midway through that paragraph, they were the most normal and representative variety of Hobbit. This is the Harfoots. They were the most inclined to wow, settle in one place, one place and longest preserved their ancient or their ancestral habits of living in tunnels and holes. Um, can I can I ex uh, expand on that? Of course. Thing too? Yeah. Okay. So what was pointed out was that the hobbits were very like they're, they're steeped in oral traditions. They oh, right. did not uh -huh. have anything written oh. down. Wait, is that so, in like concerning until, hobbits? Yeah. Look at the end of this. Uh, like not in concerning hobbits. It's in this the prologue though. At the end of the third age, the part played by the hobbits in the great events that led to the inclusion of the Shire in the reunited kingdom uh, awakened among them a more widespread interest in their own history and many of their traditions up to that time still mainly oral yeah. right, were collected and written down again so that boom th and this is in the appendices so they could have used this now yeah. I mean oh, so could, could they have used the prologue material they might have been able to. I don't know. Yeah, but so the point is, like, but they did not have to even reference the prologue material mm. because, like, like, and again, I just think it would have been a little bit more deep reciting the people's names, the the, the remembrance on the trail, right? right? Then it would have had a little bit more impact. Like, the, this mm. is important to like, like to the tradition of the history of of this clan of Harfoots. I mean, you know, right. and again, it it it. I don't think it affected like where they went in the story, but I think if they would have done like the oral history and and it, it would have given 
a sense of like if Sadak dies, who is going to carry on this tradition? And oh, then now you've a, got that's a great point. We've said before, like the Harfoots didn't seem to give a shit about each yeah. other, even though they said they did. They didn't really when when push came to f- shove. Like when Sadak was dying, they just kind of stared at the sunset and smiled. Like it was creepy, almost like. Okay, yeah, so yeah. this this uh, elderly, you know, figure, the leader of your tribe or whatever is dying and everyone's just kind of like, oh, all right, with a shrug. I question the showrunner's, like, decision to, to, to pick the Hobbits, the Harfoots that way. The showrunners need to know that, like, in order to make a good series, like, we as the audience need to be invested. And when we see that these creatures, these characters aren't even invested in each other or themselves, like they don't even give a shit about themselves, then why should we care about it? So like, like you just said, so you made a great point. Like if Sadak had been, you know, the, the, the movie like, or the book Fahrenheit 451. I do. Yes. It's like, the people I burned 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 that book I burnt that book (laughs) I I want anybody to read that the people become the vessels of knowledge in in that story and and so when you have a human being that is like the the holder this receptacle of all the lore of that tribe then there's something really crucial about him either him or her either staying alive or passing that lore down right right and and the point is is that like a premature death like that. I mean, granted, he was an older, older uh, Harfoot, right. right? Older gentleman. But if he would have been, there would have, there would have been a, a, a like a, 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 um, a weight. It would, there would have been like consequences to, to him, to him dying. You yes, know? that's, they, a, they that's could, exactly my point. Like, there's yeah. no. The way they depicted it, it was like a, a shrug, like, oh, no big deal. The sun rises, the sun sets, people come and people go. No big deal. And, and, and not to interrupt, but the way that they, they filmed the, the, uh, their, their travels, the way that they filmed their migration, right? You, like, you really didn't see him leading or, or doing anything. There, there was no real kind of, you know, there was no hierarchy. And, and even in, like, like, maybe that was a contentional where they they didn't want there to be like oh we're all in this together kind of like you know the perfect commune or something like that you right know? right you know it's it's a narco it's an anarcho syndicalist commune oh, okay I thought we were anarcho syndicalist commune we take it in turns to act as it's executive officer of the week. Of the week but all the decisions of that office must be ratified by two thirds majority we're an autonomous collective. You're fooling yourself. We're living in a dictatorship. <laughs> Sorry. I love that scene. Okay. It's so funny. Okay. Anyway, so okay. the yeah. point is, one, I, I think, uh, um, but but yeah, there was no consequence really to, to him. There was being, no consequences. And so yeah. we as audiences, like, we don't have anything invested. But Not that was really. that would have been a great way to give more, like you said, more weight to that moment of his death because all yeah. that knowledge in the oral tradition would have gone with him. And then, I mean? but the thing is, like, like who better to carry that knowledge? Here you get little Nori, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like, like it, it could have been like, like you know, if they wanted to, like, you know, go the whole, you know, female empowerment thing, which I'm all for. I don't care. You know what I'm saying? I'm not. Uh, I know. Well, but, but you know what I'm talking about. I mean, it, I like, know. they could have made her the, the oral receptacle tradition. of the oral tradition, right? Right, where like 
Sadok could have been like, you need to find this and, and all the answers will be made clear. Give her some kind of reason for going going off into... Uh, Everything again, needed I, a reason, yeah. yeah. And look, I mean, the, the series isn't done yet, but there is no apparent reason that she's going off with, uh, you know... Well, just with, like there's with, really no reason for them to migrate around and around. They're not following the swallow that's not yeah. migratory. Um, but okay, so it might sound like to the uneducated listener that we are making way too big of a deal yeah. out of this idea of passing and down. We- oh no, no, <laughs> no, 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 no! But okay. I'm actually going to double down. Okay, let's double Be- down on this end. because right. I got your back. Right, good. Because it sounds like we're making a gr- a big deal out of this seemingly minor and inconsequential issue of an oral tradition and passing down the lore. The reason why I think it's important and it should have been seen so by the people of the makers of Rings of Power is that it was crucial to Tolkien and it gave his world such a believability because he went through meticulously and mapped out all the ways that all this lore could be compiled in the Red Book of Westmarch and then transcribed through the various ages so that this lore came down from the remote mists of the past into like basically the modern world so it like the there is a genealogy of the of the of the actual text that becomes published as lord of the rings um and speaking of that the first episode of speculative tolkienism back in episode (laughs) one we talked at length about how there was this difference between the riddles in the dark before as it it was originally written as it was originally written and a revised riddles in the dark after tolkien started writing lord of the rings and realizing oh shoot this ring is much more consequential even that different like most authors would be like okay well hey i just changed my mind i changed the i changed the text right yeah well modern day people would be like you know people aren't even going to notice so you know what who cares (laughs) like let's just let's just roll through this but Tolkien, he, he, he's more of a writer than that. He has to not just write a story, but make it like actually real in or believable in its textual genealogy. So, so he actually excused the fact that an earlier version of The Hobbit came out by basically blaming Bilbo and saying there were other versions of this tale the early version that bilbo told gandalf and in later hands corrected his basic lie basically he lied right and and transcribed the lie in the early version and frodo came along and said oh this is not how the riddles of the dark actually went went down can can i ask you this where do you find this uh this 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 seemingly impossible to find text well, it's well. We actually had a hard time finding it in our episode one, but it's right here. Where there Tolkien you goes, go. this account. Okay, so here's the big deal. This account Bilbo set down in his memoirs, and he seems never to have altered it himself. Not even after the Council of Elrond. Evidently, it still appeared in the original Red Book, as it did in several of the copies and abstracts. But many copies contain the true account. As an alternative, derived no doubt from notes by Frodo or Samwise, so they there you accounted. Go. I mean, how cool! I mean, that is like awesome, though. I mean, how cool I, is that? I that know. 
he went he back takes his and, own he takes his own quote unquote mistake yeah or revision and 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 like justifies it within the the story itself right yeah and and i mean how i mean that is like one of the coolest things ever and you know what i mean like well, yeah we missed it <laughs> you know what i'm saying but <laughs> we well we missed it and he he explains it perfectly yeah yeah but, and so he takes what would normally be like a flaw be, you know two different two different versions of of a, an allegedly true you know this mythology is supposed the, yeah. to be true and oh so you know it's you're just inventing it it's not real he, his whole tolkien's whole project was to make this as real as possible with but, maps but, and languages but do you think i don't even think i would have caught this had we not been talking about riddles in the dark right you know what i'm right. talking about i like we I, like again like it's like you know, or if you don't know that that chapter exists, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or if you weren't like, really aware, of, like he could just be t like, okay, probably when I was younger and I read this, I glanced over this preliminary material because I wanted to get yeah. to the story. Like you don't need to read about concerning hobbits because you already know about hobbits, right? Yeah. You think green and yellow. What more do so you need? They like my eyes yellow. probably kind of glazed over at some point reading this because I'm like, okay, so, so there's different accounts and someone told someone else and it got transcribed boring. You know, it's like how boring to think that, uh, oh, a book gets transcribed or whatever, but it's actually it's actually not boring now that I know that there were two actual published versions of the Hobbit of, of riddles in the dark. And that this is like an account of why that's actually part of the whole mythology itself. Yeah. yeah. It's like, so like I said, he, t he takes what would normally be like a crack in the, the believability or a flaw in the believability of his myth of his legendarium. And he like creates more of the legendarium to account for this alleged flaw so that yeah, it ceases yeah. to be a flaw and it turns into more of a proof <laughs> that it's true. Yeah, yeah. It's no, so cool. but, yeah. Uh, what, what this does is it lays a foundational world, mm -hmm. right? Like he had rules and he had, he had everything in place. So like everything that he told on top of that world, like that he laid over the Lord of the Rings that he laid over had a consistency so it was like it was believable. I mean, again, right. that's right. He he and, he, and uh, uh, well, again, and again, and that's what I think that the 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 biggest mistake that the showrunners for for Rings of Power are doing mm. is you have this rich world full of history, and it's like just tell the story. And and stick to the rules. You know what I'm saying? Stick to the history right. and tell the story within that. You don't have to tell that story, but you can tell something that references like like this the history consistent. there. Don't make shit up, man. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? You can like you can make anything up you want as long as it falls in the parameters of of this world. And when you don't that's when it becomes like, uh, okay, this is this is again, that's why we say it's dumb. It's like unbelievable. Because yeah. there is this, like this, this um, history of this of this world, and mm. and they're doing themselves a disservice and everybody a disservice right. by ignoring it and just making up shit as they go along. You know what I'm saying to fit their narrative, right. which is lazy, lazy, lazy writing. But we need to make it right. That's exactly right. But we also need to make a distinction that what we're talking about is, you know, people, even some of our commenters on the channel, you know, complained 
or yeah. I don't even know if it was a complaint against us, but they were like, you know, some people just want a an, an accurate representation of word for word of Tolkien in a movie form. And, and that it's not that it's not no, accurate no. point by point. Like Jackson's movie wasn't perfectly accurate. Like, oh, every single thing that Tolkien mentioned is in the Jackson movie. No, yeah. Jackson took tons of liberties Eliding some things in, reemphasizing others, like oh, c- 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 condensing the the time that Frodo got the ring to the time he actually left the Shire. Right, I mean, removing by about, full sections. Yeah, by about sixteen years and, uh, right. and uh, uh, eleven months and three weeks. So we don't. <laughs> I'm not opposed to people adapting a book to a, into a movie, taking huge liberties with that adaptation, but it just needs to feel like the book like or it needs to feel like tolkien's world it can take yeah. it can take even like even like what we said adar is an invented character um i i, I didn't mind that because he was one character that actually felt like he belonged there yeah like he yeah, felt yeah, like he yeah. he kind of he wove his being into like tolkien's world pretty well because his his history was explained through the tolkien legendarium yes but here's the thing though too and again if you look at like what we talked about but sadok being like the, the oral historian right the historian yeah. of, of the group right and they they live in like the the vales of the anduin which is where mm-hmm. they lived yeah in, you know i mean there's huge traditions that uh you know they could have drawn from with uh with Sadok being because uh, yeah. uh, there's the bardic tradition and in anglo-saxon there's a a scop or a shop uh, it's like a scop which is like basically the anglo-saxon bard and yeah. that would you know that was the oral you know like beowulf or whatever these were the poets that would get up in front of the king and recite their the epic of gilgamesh the, right <laughs> yes and even in the epic of gilgamesh and all those old you know oral tradition epics they would recite these by memory for memory and uh and that would contain the history of the tribe and right. you know the great deeds of the heroes of the tribe or the gods of the tribe or whatever and um and so that was that would have been really cool had they done that, but obviously they didn't. So talking about the origin of hobbits again, just like giving the hobbits that deep kind of ancestral um, lore and ancestral like origin for it is was in the one thousand six hundred and first year of the third age that the Fallowhide brothers Marcho and Blanco set out from Bree, and having obtained permission from the High King at Fornost, they crossed the Brown River at Branduin with a great following of hobbits. They passed over the bridge of stone bows uh, that had been built in the days of the power of the North Kingdom, blah, 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 and they came down the Far Downs. And I think this makes the point here is that they're settling the Shire. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the great and like, so what happened is... like Thus uh, began March- the Shire Reckoning crossing the Brandywine Bridge, and year one of the Shire. Okay, so go ahead. So what what they were doing is they were looking for the ocean, right? And uh, Marcio and Blanco said, you smell it. We're here, right? And then when they woke up, they saw they weren't anywhere near the ocean, but they liked where they were, so they said to settle here, and then they... This sounds like Brigham Brigham Young. (laughs) 
dude, it's a. Uh, what is that from? It's from, wait, it's from waiting for Guffman. <laughs> oh right, and they started to build stools. <laughs> yeah, it's Blaine, Missouri. They found Blaine, Missouri instead of uh, the Shire. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> but I, I can think of a big, like, I, it wasn't like they went out like like the way he described is it, funny. It's like not like they went out like by themselves or like you know it's like like all these hobbits were like. Yeah, we're gonna be there any any day now. <laughs> and like after you know, <laughs> after like three weeks, uh, after like 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 four days, we're like, oh, okay, this is far enough. Because <laughs> how long did it take? How long did it take uh, from the Shire to a uh, Bree? Like uh, right, yeah. I, I'm I'm thinking like like this sounds like some great migration of, of yeah. tribes, but it's just like they just go down the street. I mean, yeah, it was like it was like forty miles, or whatever. And not know? only that, but it's like it's the Shire. It's not like you're crossing deserts and mountains. Yeah, I know. It's like these rolling nice hills with streams. Yeah, they rabbits. just got tired. They're like, oh gosh. Oh god, not another elm. But then tree. again, yeah. Then again though, maybe they were walking so like because like they, they had to walk twice as far because their legs were like three times as short. Okay, so Marcho and Blanco brothers, yeah. their follow hide brothers, they found the Shire. They're the founders of the Shire, basically, right? Uh, and when they come to the Shire, that's year one of Shire Reckoning, right? Right. Well, this Marcho and Blanco brothers that found the Shire is just has echoes that go back through the centuries because Hengist and Horsa were two Anglo-Saxon brothers, right? Who start who basically found in Anglo-Saxon mythology founded uh, England. Oh, right. So you know whether or not this has actual like historical, whether it's actually historically true is is irrelevant in in anglo-saxon tradition the anglo-saxon world in england was founded by these two brothers hengis and horsa okay so this is this is an echo of that but even that i think was a even the tale of hengis and horsa was an echo of an earlier founding by two brothers romulus and remus who founded rome right so it's kind of like there, this story of like two brothers or t- twin brothers founding your empire gives it that like real deep mythical legendary status. Like, oh, well, I think Romulus what, and know, Remus were suckled by a she wolf. They founded uh, the city of Rome and which became the Roman Empire. And Hengist and Horsa, these two brothers founded uh, England. And Marcho and Blanco were these two brothers that founded the Shire. I don't think it's an accident that Tolkien gave it that kind of echo effect from prior legends right. and lore. But what it what it does is it it, it yeah it lends that air of familiarity to to the history. Yeah, so that when you're like, reading the Shire history, you think this sounds like real history of real tribal groups from European lore. It, but you know, know what's funny? You know what's funny though. Like, like again, because they're hobbits, and because of like, it was probably like the most polite, like, uh, like outing. I can like see them like just like like just kind of strolling. They woke yeah, up like, one morning and they walked down the road. Yeah, like few, like like uh, Marcio and Blanco, Marcio and Blanco were part of the Lollipop Guild, and they're just like singing <laughs> while they're like you know, walking through. And we are going through the Shire today, the Shire today, the Shire today. Meanwhile, like there's there's like butterflies and daffodils. And, <laughs> I know, like oh, puppies. Sorry, <laughs> getting all Wizard of Oz. You're on. getting all Wizard of Oz. What's going on with you, buddy? Yeah, I don't know, oh, what's yeah. going on, buddy? 
Hey, brother. Uh, Okay. (laughs) I think we've torn through most of uh, concerning hobbits in the prologue. prologue. I thought we were going to get to long expected party, but. Let's leave that for the next one. I think we, we might actually have to leave that for the next one. So, uh, but this is going to be a new, um, a new ongoing. This is our thing, yeah. This is going to be our thing. It's going right to new, now. yeah, our new ongoing pro- uh, project. We're going to um, talk about all of Lord of the Rings chapter by chapter. Sometimes we'll, we'll of course make departures, and we'll go through all kinds of tangents and totally irrelevant non sequiturs and probably end up talking about hockey. Of course, it's hockey season, buddy. Or anything else under the sun. But, um, yeah, join us for... Join us next time for another exciting episode. Next week, will they talk about... (laughs) (laughs) Will they talk about unexpected party? Are they going to piss on (laughs) Rings of Power again? (laughs) Who knows? (laughs) 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 Thank <laughs> you.